0: Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate and commercially surfable wave pools are opening around the world. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. My name is Nick Robinson and through my guests, we take a detailed look at this fascinating new game. Check us out on wavepoolmag.com for your curiosity and stuff. Hey, how's it going? Nick Robinson here again for another episode of the Wave Pool Mag podcast. Today, we've got Brett Portera from Long Island, just outside of New York in the United States of America, and he's chatting about the project that he's been working on for four and a half years with his dad, and um, they've managed to secure some land in a place called Bayshore, which is just about one hour east of Manhattan out in Long Island, and it sounds like a great wave pool concept. It's small, and it's unique, and they're focused on the wave, and they haven't got a lot of massive area around it. Um, like probably Bristol and some of the other projects that are going on around there. But it's very, it's just wave only and get in there, surf, have a meal and have, have a drink and then head out. And, and uh, so you can stay in a nearby hotel, which is no problem. But I think it's going to be very, very popular to go and surf in New York. So let's chat to Brett Portera. Well, Brett, thanks so much for joining us on the Wavepool Mag podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Glad we're able to uh, get this going and, you know, have a chance to talk about what's going on over here. So, yeah,
0: it sounds exciting. Um, so what is going on there?
1: (laughs) All right. So long story or short story.
0: Okay. Well let's, let's go back. First of all, let's go back and and just establish a little bit of personal context. So, um,
1: where, where you, where are you based right now? So, Um, I was born and raised on Long Island, uh, in Bayshore, um, which is part of New York for those of you that are not from the States. Um, so we're based out of here right now. Uh, we ended up kind of, when I say we, I mean my dad and I, Chris Portera. um, you know, have surfed our whole lives and, uh, just kind of started looking at wave pools when I was a little kid. I'm 23 now.
0: So where's, um, would you say Bay Shore? Is that in Long Island?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's about mm, 40 miles from the city, 30 miles from New York City.
0: Okay, because I don't really, um, and I, I'm sure some people don't know Long Island. Um, I just know <laughs> it from the Great Gatsby and uh, yeah. <laughs> Montauk, which was mentioned in, um, in, in that book, Barbarian Days, which is a fantastic book. Have you ever surfed Montauk? yeah all the time um montauk probably by far the
1: best surfing in in New York I would say
0: and like most places I mean I think people think well, what surfing in New York does that really happen is it is it quite consistent surf
1: no, it's definitely not consistent surf, and that's part of the reason why we're building a surf park here uh, ah,
0: <laughs> excellent
1: you know, like most places, the best time to surf here swell wise is in the winter but We have pretty harsh winters, depending on the year, uh, where the water temperatures get down into the high 30s, low 40s, and the air temperature's even colder, so. So
0: I guess only in recent years has it been comfortable to surf there because of the advances in wetsuit technology?
1: Uh, Guys have been doing it forever. So, I mean, personally, I'll go in, Now I don't go in as often as I used to. I did it for a couple years, and it really really is just miserable. It's not so much being in the water. It's when you get out and you get a change in the parking lot, and the wind's blowing north at, like, 20 miles an hour, and it's, you know, 20 degrees outside. That's the worst part of it. But um, there's still plenty of guys in the water. If you go down there, there's there's definitely a group of hardcore surfers that surf here around, no matter what. Snowstorm, blizzard, rain, hurricane. Doesn't matter. They're in there.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was, can, can you take us back to the very first time that you paddled a surfboard? It's like paint uh, us a picture.
1: So I remember being, on, being put on like one of those big lifeguard boards that they use for saving people, and just kind of being pushed in on the shore break when I was a little kid. Oh, those yellow and red ones. Memory. Yeah, one of those big red boards. Yep.
0: Right in Montauk itself?
1: No, not in Montauk. Uh, we grew up going to Fire Island, which is the barrier island um you know fortunate enough to be able to my my parents own a boat and just 15 minutes over and there's plenty of surf spots around there not as great as montauk but
0: Oh excellent so it's kind of like a surf trip you jump on a boat and then head out to a break
1: right yeah to some extent
0: so i'm um, talking about surf trips have you ever taken any surf trips you know out to hawaii or, or
1: wherever so we haven't done any you know specific surf trips like just my dad and i were really the only ones that surf in the family um but when we do go on family vacations they do revolve around us going surfing so uh, mostly the caribbean we've surfed tortola uh, puerto rico um barbados um you know that's about it really yeah you get some good swells
0: down there don't you
1: yes so we're actually going to barbados in right
0: after new Year's. so hopefully we get some waves while we're there well, it would be excellent to escape the New York winter.
1: Yes, it will. Be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but um, obviously wave pools wave pools have been around for ages. What sparked your your interest in them?
1: Uh, I think the, just the surfing aspect, you know, being able to have a perfect wave or you know what you whatever you consider perfect. At least it's going to change for everybody. But for what I consider perfect, you know, a barrel that's a left, and you know I'd like to be able to go right as well. Um, for a longer ride than what I get every day and just in the consistency of it. So I started looking at technology probably when I was 10 or 12 years old. And I think at that point, um, you know, American Wave Machines had a website. Um, Wave Garden was kind of on the horizon of coming out. They maybe started to come out a couple of years later. But really, the main player was Murphy's Waves um, and just looking at, you know, you can in fact surf in a wave pool and at the time typhoon lagoon was the mecca of surf pool surfing um and then also around that time the ron john surf parks which were supposed to be in orlando new york city and i believe san diego or la um that whole idea was being
0: yeah that's an interesting story actually the ron john wasn't it is it Cocoa beach in florida where they they were going to do one there
1: So they were actually going to do it, I believe it might have been the mall of millennia, um, or right off of international drive in Orlando. So actually down by Disney.
0: Okay. And what went wrong there?
1: Um, from what we know, um, and without violating any NDAs, basically they picked the technology, um, they decided they didn't like the technology and they switched to a different one spent all their money on R and then the investors pulled the plug
0: so. wow okay because i heard some crazy rumors that apparently the wave ripped up the reef or something
1: uh, i'm not sure about that i know that there's actually if you go there there is a little you know test tank essentially built in the ground Mm-hmm. um but i am not sure if that was exactly what happened i know it was something about you know, spend a lot of money on R&D and just the investors kind of being fed up with it after five years and, you know, no mm-hmm. showing on the ground or anything to show for it, really, so. Oh, that's an unfortunate,
0: but I'm sure there's um, developments around the world that are riddled with problems like that.
1: Right, and I think the space in general of surf parks, is, there's, especially in the beginning now, there's going to be, everybody's going to have their fair share of issues. I mean, you know, Slater's got a, he's had his issues over there um you know waco the bsr park had their issues where they had some bottom issues um you know we've seen wave garden with both Land and uh snowdonia had issues you know snapping cables switching the uh, breaking the bottom things of that nature um i'm sure there's going to be something that goes wrong with the cove and i'm not wishing it upon them but i'm sure at some point they'll have an issue because it's a new technology no matter how They tested, they've never done it in a commercial setting like this and put it through these paces. So I'm sure something will go wrong Um, and just, you know, it's part of of the game, I think.
0: Obviously, um, Wave Tech currently plays a massive role in any surf park. Um, But so looking at the WSL, like you mentioned, American Wave Machines, Wave Garden, and obviously uh, Surflex, which we haven't talked about. Are there any other wave technology competitors that that you're aware of?
1: Uh, Murphy's Waves is out there as well. now, I'm not really sure what they're doing. They've been kind of quiet for the last few years now. Um, and then I know there's a couple in the U.S. Swell Spot and uh, Swell Manufacturing, which are similar types of tech. And then uh, I believe it's, it's Bosch.
0: It might be the name of the menu. Yeah, Bosch Rexroth from Germany, I think. Right.
1: Yeah, I you know they made an announcement. I don't know if it was last year or the year before that. You know that they were going to dip their toes into the space as well. Um, but that's about it for all i can think of at the moment
0: so i mean the obvious question is what kind of technology you're going to use in in your park but i i understand that you're not you're not ready to to um share that publicly yet right
1: yeah no, we're not at the point where we can kind of share that it's not to say that we don't have one picked out and we're not moving ahead with um it's that we as a you know as, as a marketing decision really have decided to kind of keep people guessing and you know wanting and to know what's going on and, um, you know, how we reveal it is yet to be determined, but we're in a way that gets people really excited, I think. So.
0: Cause we've seen a few hints of, um, and, uh, and in the, sh- in the show notes of this podcast, I put a few photographs that you've managed to share, but, um, yeah, it could be any technology. So we'll keep on guessing then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For now, we're going to keep that uh, up in the air. So, I mean, I can tell you that when we set out to build this park, The original goal and the original kind of motivation behind it was the Ocean Dome that was in Japan. To me, that was and still is the best park in the world, whether it was used for that or not. I know towards the end when they started cranking out waves like that, it ripped the place apart because it wasn't built for that. But that bow, you know, how open and big it was and the fact that it spit, was that's just memorizing to me um, the way that wave was. That was always kind of the original inspiration so what we're setting out to do is build at least a seven foot wave that goes left and goes right um i can have you know beginners intermediates pros all in there at the same time and we want to make about a hundred yard ride so everything i just described is something that you're not going to find on long island and when you do it's few and far between um and there's only a handful of spots that can actually hold something like that so
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, if you're talking about Ocean Dome, and you're talking about the cold up in Long Island. It's it's going to be a covered park, right? The whole thing.
1: So it's not covered. It's going to be open. Uh, we actually have our own green energy power plant on site. That the main byproduct of it is heat. So that pool is going to be well into the 50s, if not the 60s, in the dead of winter. So I you know I mentioned earlier the ocean's 38 to 42, and you know cold air-wise in the winter. So we're going to have significantly warmer water. Um, and also part of what we're doing, and you can see it on some of the illustrations that we've shared, those walls are accurate. They're going to stand, you know, 12 foot above the water line. Um, and that back building is going to stand way above the water line. And then we're surrounded in what's called the Pine Barrens region um, of Long Island. So basically a bunch of pine trees. And we're dug into the side of the hill. So what I'm getting at is there's not going to be any wind in there. Um, and we're putting in a couple other measures as well to cut down on that wind. So, even though that pool's going to be high 50s, mid to high 50s in the dead of winter, it's not going to be anything like going and surfing in the ocean just because there's not going to be any wind in there. You know, you're steps away from a heated clubhouse. Um, you're still going to have to wear a wetsuit. And, you know, whether you're wearing a hood, booties, and gloves is going to get to be determined. But I think that you're going to wear a lot less rubber than you would when you go in the ocean
0: so So you're not going to heat the water
1: the water is going to be heated yes so okay Uh, yeah so that's part of that that uh energy plant there the that water is going to be heated but obviously it's
0: really smart to try and protect it from the wind because it's the only environmental variable that you really have to worry about with with the wave pose. and
1: um you know you see i know the guys at urban surf have mentioned it when i read an article about them you know trying to put that pool so that it's facing the prevailing winds for most of the year um and that's something that we didn't even have to consider based on you know where we'll be where we're located and, and kind of the rest of the design of the pool um so which is great we're actually going to be set up so that the sun is going to rise when you're surfing towards the beach and it's going to set on the back side so that would be a kind of a cool can you share
0: how big the pool is going to be or not?
1: it's going to be fifty-two thousand five hundred square feet um, so about an acre, not not as large as those Wave Garden coves. So I can tell you, we're not using Wave Garden. Uh, they are about five acres, I believe, and not nearly as large as Surf Lakes, which is twelve acres. So,
0: I mean, I'd love to ask you why not Wave Garden, because um, obviously Wave Garden, I suppose, and American Wave Machines are kind of the darlings of the wave pool industry at the moment. Um, was there any specific reason you didn't choose Wave Garden?
1: So Wave Garden kind of. Chose not to work with us because of the land requirement. Um, uh-huh. the property wasn't large enough. But you know, with that being said, um, I think what they've done is great. But we don't see eye to eye on some things as far as how that pool should operate. Um, I personally don't like the fact that it's split pool where you have a, a left and a right on separate sides of a wall. I think that the whole, you know, purpose of surf parks. There's, there's a purpose to get people in the in the water and learn how to surf. And then there's also the purpose of being able to take where you're at and improve. So to me, to be an all around surfer, I want to surf left and right in the same session. I don't want to have to do, you know, um,
0: a left session and a right last session. Last
1: yeah. one session is right. So I, that's kind of the biggest turnoff to me is that, to be honest with you.
0: So Okay. That's interesting. Um, But let's just go back a little bit to to how you started with the project initially. What is the first thing that you did and what key items did you think were vital to deal with in the early stages?
1: So the first thing that we did was we went down and we surfed Typhoon Lagoon. I was a junior in high school, I believe. So about seven years ago, Um, eight years ago, maybe. How long ago it was. But we went down, we rented out Typhoon Lagoon because you can, at Disney, you can surf it in the mornings and at night uh, when the parks closed. And it was myself, my dad, and a couple of his friends. There are probably about five or six of us in total. And it was just an awesome experience. We we surfed at night to start. um, So I don't know if you've done it before, but.
0: I haven't surfed at night, no, but I've surfed um, the Wave Garden in Bilbao, but surfing at night must be massively different anyway yes
1: it's it's awesome i mean disney for example when you go to typhoon lagoon the park shut down there's no one there everything's lit up um you get to make your own playlist on your phone and you know they play your music the whole time and it's not a great wave by any means um but it's very fun and just you know the having the opportunity to go in there and surf with just your friends and not fight with anybody and get plenty of waves is something that really hooked us. We kind of looked at each other at the end of this and said, we got to build one of these things.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So when you got back to New York, what did you, um, how did you, what did, what key items did you start off with?
1: So actually, like I said, I was still in high school, as a junior in high school, I was like 17 years old. Um, our, one of my dad's friends that came with us, looked at my dad and said, you know, we got to build this thing. We had to do one of these. And basically within a week had him in front of a bunch of investors, guys with plenty of money um that we were not prepared to you know sit in with and and talk to about it and you know the consensus at the end of the day was it's a great idea but how what's the market look like so that was next big piece of this and something that we've spent about five years doing our own market research because there's not really anything out there there's some basic statistics you know for the world and for the U.S. as a whole But specifically the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area region, there is nothing out there that's accurate. Um, So we had to go and basically we built a website um, and we started an email list and we started doing some advertising on Facebook and Google and Instagram. And um, just to kind of see how many people are actually interested in doing this and who would want to be a part of it. And uh, there's a resounding market size here. That
0: to how, how many people are there?
1: And, uh, you know, loves to surf or is interested in learning how to surf. So
0: Excellent. Well, that, that must have been really gratifying to see that response.
1: Yes, it was. I mean, we kind of set a goal that if we didn't have 200 people on an email list between, we started in August of 2015, by the end of that year, come January 1st, we were going to kind of shut it down. We had like 200 people by October. So we mm-hmm. crushed that goal and you continue to grow that list. and. So, how,
0: I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people in that area. There's only, what, what 8 million people in New York and then in the surrounding areas. How many, um, how many people do you reckon are in your target market?
1: I think our target market's probably about 500,000 um, out of that group there, and that includes people that don't surf yet but are interested in surfing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there's, so, I mean, you know, to be profitable, we figured that we need... You know less than a percent of that to be
0: honest with you but that aspirational surfer i mean the people who go in and buy rip curls shirts and things and who who always you know dig the vibe that is a massive massive um market to obviously try and turn into surfing
1: right and that's part of what you know our plan is is to capture them as well it's not just for the hardcore surfer you know even though i'm going to be able to do a seven foot barrel left and right at the end of the day I'm probably not even gonna turn that wave on that much because the majority of people can't surf that wave. Whether they think they can or not, they most likely cannot. Uh, Mm Um so it's really gonna be you know, we're gonna have an on-site surf school run by uh Leif Angstrom, who's our you know, our park pro basically. Um, so that's gonna be a huge part of it, is having him doing lessons all day, whether it be group or individual, you know, him kind of writing a program out for that and be able to take people that have never surfed before, start them on dry land, get them in there and push them in the waves, teach them how to paddle in the waves, and then just gradually bring them up, you know, to the point where they're surfing at a, at a huge level. I mean, um, we've kind of seen it with, I believe, Brian Fillmore, who runs uh, BSR now, down in Waco now. You know, we spent a year surfing that pool every single day and his learning curve is, you know, just been insane. Yeah. Something that you're definitely going to see going forward as well. And something that we're definitely gearing ourselves to do. So well, that's,
0: that's an interesting point as well, because um, obviously Wavegarden have targeted um, a lot of pros to come and surf their, surf their park. And I mean, their, their pool and it's all, and you know, every time you switch on YouTube is just Wavegarden pro, Wavegarden pro. So it's really like when you're talking about Brian Fillmore starting from scratch and going through, it's really nice. If you're going to market people, are you going to, are you, how are you going to market it? Are you going to take that, you're going to get the pros involved, or are you going to start telling stories from people who learn how to surf? In
1: your I world? think it's got to be a little bit of everything because, like I said before, even though I may not turn on that seven foot wave all the time, I got to show the advanced market and the professional market that I can do it. Mm-hmm. I also need to show the intermediates and the beginners and the people that have never surfed before. That they're welcome here too and we have something for them so it's going to be a mixture of yeah of course i'm gonna have professionals here i'm sure i'm probably gonna have professionals banging down my door to get in there and surf that pool
0: but mm-hmm.
1: you know i'm an average surfer my dad's an average surfer i you know, we're not like leaf who's pulling aerials and doing crazy stuff like that so there's going to be a segment you know that we're going to market to those people we're going to market the people that have kids that have just learned how to surf it's going to be all the above really
0: I'm sure you're going to be a pretty competent surfer, surfer after it opens. After I hope months. so. That's the idea. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was speaking to Andy Ainsco from um, Wave um, in Snowdonia in Wales. And he was saying he just slots him out. It gets an hour every single, I think it's three hours a week. He just books it in and goes for a wave. It sounds amazing.
1: That's it. I'd love to do that. You know, whether I'm getting there at four o'clock in the morning before the thing opens or I'm staying late at night or I'm squeezing in a session in the middle of the day, I would love to be able to surf it every day. But at the end of the day,
0: yeah.
1: I'm doing this to make money and, you know, have a viable business. So surfing's going to have to come second. Whether okay. To or not, that's how it's got to work. So I have I mean, I have, to have investors to answer to and, you know, a business to run. So,
0: mm-hmm. so as Uh So uh, God, as Steve Jobs once said, Great things are never done by one person. They're done by a team. So who's on your team?
1: So I already mentioned my dad, Chris, Porter. Yeah. um, yep. you know, him and I do the majority of the legwork here. Um, but with that being said, we have, you know, we probably have at least a dozen people on our team. Uh, so Leafs part of it. Um, like I said, he's going to kind of be the face and, uh, just the, the surf school side of things, that's going to be his role, um. We also have an expediter on our team that gets everything, you know, through the town and different municipalities, you know, gets them excited about the project, helps us get the that stuff fast-tracked. We have a site engineer, we have a structural engineer, we have an aquatic engineer, um, an architect, a couple lawyers, I'm um, forgetting somebody, a couple pool contractors, you know, it's just there's a a concrete guy. So there's a a ton of us, you know, working on this night and day to get this thing up and running.
0: Um, Excellent. So you're really on track. So when are you going to break ground?
1: So we're still in the process of finalizing our permits. Um, Once those are in, we're going to have a better idea of when that will be. You know, we're hoping for it to be 2020. Um, We've been hesitant to kind of release any sort of date, mainly because you know we, we want to give people accurate information. And to be honest with you, we don't know until those permits are in and we get some preliminary feedback on how long that process is going to take.
0: So have sure. yeah. them in
1: mm. in the next month or so.
0: It would, it, oh, excellent. Did you get b- a bit of a shock when um, American Wave Machines opened up a, a park right next to you in New Jersey?
1: <laughs> no. Um, and without making too many enemies and without, again, violating NDA, I will say that we're not worried about it. Um, we know people that have surfed it, and we kind of got the insight on how it's going to operate. And, you know, it's, it would be like if somebody opened up a Typhoon Lagoon right next to us. Mm-hmm.
0: So your technology is going to be superior to that?
1: It, it just the pool in general. I mean, that pool is only 150 feet wide. Um, if you look at the Waco pool, it's 240 feet wide, I believe, 220 feet wide. And, you know, we went down there and we surfed it. And I have one of those rip curl watches that tracks you. Um, and my average wave was only about 40 to 45 yards. So now you've cut that pool down to 150 feet wide. It's, uh, you know, 20 yards, 30-yard wave. Um, and they're not able to do the same size. So, you know, we're going to, whether we're using American Wave Machines or not, uh, our pool's just, it's bigger and, you know, able to do more. So we don't really, we're not really worried about it. It's also a... Uh, a DreamWorks branded water park. So it's not a standalone surf park as well.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's in a shopping mall as well. Right. Yeah. Which is a whole different ball game. Uh, so that's another thing around the po- around the park. I mean, around the wave park, um, what kind of, um, what kind of facilities are you going to put in and take us on a tour?
1: So we are kind of going with the keep it simple, stupid method. We got the surf pool, and we have a 9,000 square foot clubhouse um, that's going to have a restaurant and bar on top floor. Bottom floor is going to have men's and women's locker rooms and a surf shop. Um, And that's kind of it. We're kind of going with a little bit of a bare bones approach. Um, We're not believers in the the $200 million project that's got a resort and housing and all this retail and everything else around it. To be honest with you, I personally struggle to see how you can get a return on a project of that size, especially because what's going to happen is, and whether people agree with this or not, um, as you see more and more parks pop up around the globe, and specifically we'll use the U.S. as an example, you know, in every state, people are going to travel less and less to those parks. So now you have this $200 million project that maybe did great in the beginning because, you know, you didn't have as much competition around the country but as soon as wave garden puts up another pool on the east coast you're going to lose all those people traveling there and then it's just kind of going to trickle down so we try to keep our startup capital as low as possible and that's the reason that we think we have everything that you need you know you have your surf shop you have your locker rooms board storage all that you got a great wave you got a restaurant upstairs a little bit of a hangout space Um, and that's kind of the model that we've gone after with that being said you know there's a hotel not too far from us maybe two or three minutes um easily accessible from the major highway on long island it's actually goes into the industrial park that we're located in the exit ramp um and then the closest airport's about 15 minutes away so everything you need is either on site or within you know five mile radius i would
0: say okay is there anything you'd love to include in the park but can't
1: um i I think the one thing I would like to have included, but we you know, we can actually only I mentioned before we're on a pines barrens um parcel. So what that means is we can only build on sixty five percent of a three and a half acre lot. Um so if we you know that wasn't the case, the one thing I would have loved to have added were volleyball courts. I think beach volleyball would have been a cool thing to have there. Um, but to be honest, other than that, I th- you know I think we kind of hit the nail on the head as far as what's going to be there, and uh, what people are looking for. So,
0: excellent. All right. Well, um, I think a lot of us surfers are highly focused on environmental issues. How are you going to deal with the large energy requirements and the sustainability question?
1: So I mentioned that before with that uh, green energy um, power plant that we're going to have on site. So that actually, one, it cuts our electric costs down significantly um but it also gives off a ton of heat so that heat can be used to heat the entire facility including the pool um and it can also be used to cool the entire facility including the pool at no additional charge um so we're using all that you know energy that we're making it's all being used and it's being made in a cleaner way than it would be if it was coming from a coal-fired power plant essentially
0: Uh, what you mean the waves are generating the energy
1: that not the way so there's actually a power plant in that back building um that is our equipment room on one of the top floors we have our own natural gas fired power plant essentially so
0: okay natural gas okay
1: and there's going to be part um some solar is going to go in there we're looking into some battery stuff um but mainly you know that power plant is very very green compared to you know without that power plant this project wouldn't be feasible, specifically on Long Island because the cost of electric and just how much we're going to use and, you know, it, it would be a nightmare. Um, the other thing as far as being green goes right now, New York State, the, you know, kind of stipulates that you empty that pool once per year. Um, so we have a you know, millions and millions of gallons of water in that pool um and what we'd like to do with it instead of just dumping it into the ground or you know sending it to a treatment facility would be to actually sell it to um some there's a ton of farms and wineries on the north fork of long island and very close to where we are um, so they can reuse that water so
0: so you have to refill it every year. Is that because of a health requirement?
1: Yeah, that's that's something that the health department says, is that they'd like us to empty it and refill it every year. Um, we haven't gotten an official ruling on that yet, but as of right now, that's what we're planning on doing. So which would be okay because, you know, this week right now during the year with the holidays and New Year's, you probably get about two weeks where most people aren't around anyway. So it wouldn't
0: but surely i mean you can just clean the water like um a lot of other parks use i mean they use filtrations and and uv filters and
1: right we're we're doing all that it's just that the health department requires that the pool be emptied for whatever reason um wow really sure why but it's something that they have written Mm -hmm. code at the moment you know we're talking to them about it to see if we can figure out a a solution that works for everybody because we would love to not have to empty it every year Um, yeah of course right now that's how we're planning on dealing with that and, and being environmentally friendly about it,
0: so. Uh, obviously, it's a big headache to find that water in the first place. How are you going to pipe it in? Are you going to use seawater, or are you going to just bring it in from the mains?
1: No, nah, it's going to come in from the main. Long Island has specifically Suffolk County, where we are, has plenty of water. Uh, we, you know, Long Island basically sits over, I don't know if it's one or multiple major aquifers. Um, <clears throat> so the water quality is great. Uh, and it's not an issue. We spoke with the uh, the water authority and you know, they didn't foresee it as an issue at all. Um, not going to be a problem. And uh, we can't use seawater, would not fly with the health department. Um, and we looked into using pool salt. You know, you know, some pools have like the, it's called mineral springs, I believe, where they use salt instead of chlorine, but it makes chlorine anyway. Um, but that's just not feasible. We would need truckloads of salt every day to kind of keep that going. So we're using a chlorine system with UV. Um, and basically, the way it works is as long as our our numbers are right in there, which they will be because it's all done by a computer, like to maintain the levels, you won't smell like chlorine. It won't burn your eyes. None, none of those negative connotations that basically go along with chlorine. So. hmm
0: yeah, you're lucky because obviously down in Coachella in um, in California, they really struggle for their water down there. Right. So you're blessed with a, a much higher water issue here.
1: Yes, we're in we're in good shape there. That's that's not something that uh, even honestly ever crossed our minds being an issue. So,
0: and when we're talking about property development, because uh, it's always really difficult to find the location. Was it was it a challenge trying to find the right spot? Um,
1: yes and no. I mean. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about Long Island, I, I would assume most of the people listening do not, but Long Island is a very expensive place to live, um, which means property values are very, very expensive. I mean, you know, we have a three and a half acre parcel that we got a great deal on it. You know, everything worked out, but when we first started looking, you know, the price of land was in the multiple millions of dollars for what we thought we needed. Um, we definitely lucked out with this piece and ended up being in a great spot where actually, right about the middle between Montauk and New York City, um, about 50 miles or so from both. And like I said, we're right off the the major highway, uh, train stations nearby, uh, airports very close by as well. So we're very happy with where we are.
0: Great stuff. Well, um, obviously this is gonna change surfing a lot. I mean, all these pools popping up all over the world. How do you think that's gonna change surf culture?
1: I think it's going to add to it. To be honest with you, um, I think right now, I mean specifically here, when you go in the water and there's waves, you know, on a few days a year that there are solid swells and good waves, it's a it's kind of a nightmare because you have guys that don't know what they're doing out there, um, and then you have guys that do know what they're doing that are just you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, are just assholes and drop in on everyone. So I think with this, it's going to help with the beginner problem and guys who don't necessarily know what they're doing because they're going to be able to learn somewhere where they're not getting in people's way um, and actually learn and, you know, not be freaked out about it when they go out there and know what they can handle. And I think on the other side, you're going to have guys that can come in and can surf and get their fill instead of trying to, you know, snake everybody when there's actually waves here. So I think that's going to be a big part of it. And I think that also um, once the right technology comes out, you're going to see a shift of major league surfing into pools. Um, I think the reason it hasn't been done yet, you know, I know they've tried to do something with the freshwater pro in, you know, Slater's thing out there. But the main reason is that there's there's not enough variability at the moment. Um, and if there is, you know, it's too long between waves. So I think once you hit point where technology is able to meet the demands of professional surfers and do it in a matter where it's you know 15 to 30 seconds apart per wave you're going to see a major shift to more of a limelight i guess on surfing um, especially with the olympics coming through
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see if that happens because it doesn't look like it's going to go that way right now with um the olympics being for the next three olympics they've, they've been committed to natural waves
1: We'll see about that. We got you know, there's, there most people, whether they know it or not, there are arms races, essentially, to get pools built in Japan, in France, uh, where, where's the, uh, the third set of games there, is it, it's California? I'm not sure. I forget where it is, but there is an arms race to get those pools up and running, you know, prior to Japan starting and the French game starting right now
0: because i mean it makes a lot of sense doesn't it i mean especially for something like the olympic games
1: right you know at the end of the day if if the olympics fell you know during a time when pipeline was going off obviously you're going to do it there um but i think for you know places that don't have access to a wave like that during that time period it's gonna be a, a you know you'll see a shift to that. Um, especially because they can't just have these games they can't have the olympic games only for places that are blessed with waves you know, that's not really fair for the rest of the world there's only a handful of countries that have access to you know high quality waves like that but you're also going to have the, the training aspect of it so whether or not they have the games in a pool all the athletes are going to train in the pool because it's consistent repetition
0: mm, absolutely yeah because they're doing that already anyway so that's great yeah um brett i mean you obviously put a lot of time and a lot of effort into into this pool are you gonna after you finish this one are you thinking about doing more pools
1: yeah i've already started thinking about the next one so i probably get a little ahead of myself yeah i get the first one built obviously but i i have a plan um and the idea is to do 10 of these in the next 10 years just in the u.s alone you know see where we're at and if i feel confident expanding more you know whether going international or how to do it we'll go we'll cross that bridge when we get there but there is a plan to expand and replicate what we're doing you know up and down the united states great well well best of luck and uh,
0: are you going to head down down to the um to the surf park central conference in san diego march next year uh,
1: i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to get there and i'm still going back and forth you know we, ju- we know john luff pretty well who runs uh that um so we gonna have to see if I can, can get there. I got a lot going on personally. So I'm, like I mentioned earlier, I'm getting my MBA. I'm in my last year of my MBA in Florida. I am you know, coaching the lacrosse team there. I do private lacrosse lessons doing all this. So if I can get there, I will be there, but I'm not sure at the moment. Sounds like you got a lot on. Yes, I definitely have a lot on. So I, <laughs> I definitely have 12-hour days for sure.
0: Well, keep us in the loop with when you're going to launch your pool and um, and all the best of luck. And thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Nick. I appreciate it, too. So I'm looking forward to having you guys there one day and you know, sharing some waves and some beers. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Well, thank you so much to Brett for spending the time and uh, chatting with us about his new wave park out in Long Island, just east of New York City in the United States of America. Um, as you can see, it's a very, very different operation to Bristol, where Bristol are trying to include a whole bunch of people and adaptive and, and environmental and uh, just just create a community. Whereas um, these guys are clearly out there to make money, and I'm sure they will. I mean, that's the American dream. So good luck to them, and they're going to provide an amazing service for everybody around there who are starved for waves in the New York area. I mean, what, 8 million or more people in that area so yeah it's going to be exciting to be able to go and surf in Long Island so I'd just like to try and recap the state of the nation we're currently tracking 44 projects around the world so now you know you probably know I mean you definitely know the first five so Kelly Slater and Lemoore is number one and these are all open to the public that you can actually go in right now Um, The second one is Adventure Park Snowdonia, open in 2015 in Snowdonia, Wales. It's a wave garden lagoon technology. Third one is BSR in Waco, Texas. And that's American Wave Machines. The fourth one is The Wave in Bristol, which was just opened recently in November 2019. And uh, Urban Surf in Melbourne just opened last week in January 2020. So those are the first five that are open. Now, the next... Imminent release. is the American Dream in New Jersey, and um, I know it's been surfed and it's ready for production, but I don't think it's been open to the public yet. So that's coming real soon. And then after that, um, the following ones we have is labeled as under construction. Um, Enland is doing a refit by KS Wave Company in um, Austin, Texas, and Kelly Slater's Wave Company is also working in in the Gold Coast in Australia. And Wave Garden have got four projects under construction, according to our knowledge. These, um please, guys, if you know anything different, please jump in and let us know if this is correct or incorrect, um, because this is just from what I've gathered from, from speaking to people and from our press releases. So um, Turtle Island in South Korea, Alaya in Switzerland, Fazenda de Grama in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Wave Garden in Scotland, um, close to Edinburgh are all under construction by a wave garden. And there's a wave garden cove projects. Now there's a new one that's just popped up and apparently is gonna be ready by June, 2020 at Shizunami in Japan. It's an American wave machines project and it's called Surf Stadium, Japan. So the rest, I mean, that's 12 projects, right? In total. So between open, imminent and under construction. The rest are coming soon. Um, well, over the next five years or so, and and it's a total of forty four different projects, and the majority of those are, are wave garden cove projects, twenty six of them in total. Um, we don't know exactly what Surflex has got planned, but they've got quite a few projects in the pipeline as well. So, and obviously American Wave Machines will probably have quite a few more. So we, this is what we know at this stage. It doesn't say that there's only forty four projects in the world going on. There's probably a hell of a lot more. I mean, there's rumoured to be one in Portugal guys thank you so much for listening I hope you joined us on this incredible journey to figure out exactly which wave pools are coming when they are how they are and what they're all about Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week because we've got Shane Beshin from Hawaii and he's talking all about city wave and also his journey with desert surf in California So be sure to listen in for that one thanks a lot see you next week
1: wave
0: for your curiosity and still.